Hi, my name is Crystal Pridmore. Welcome to the Chaotic Harmony Podcast, a new podcast from four music teachers out of the Chula Vista Elementary School District. Chula Vista is a border town between San Diego and Tijuana, right on the U.S.-Mexico border. The four of us met each other four years ago now, and we've all bonded as we've built music programs from scratch in elementary schools that had not seen music educators in about 30 years. We've bonded over ideas, struggles, we've inspired each other, and we've built a community that has both celebrated successes and really supported each other through some hard times. We wanted to bring our community and our synergy to other music teachers who are doing the creative work of igniting the human spirit in children all across the country. So we're going to be coming at you weekly for a while, sharing ideas, laughing, getting a little vulnerable sometimes. We hope that you'll join us and that you find us on our social media so that we can get to know each other a little better. I'm going to introduce you to the entire crew next week, but for now, I wanted to start off our podcast with an episode that we're calling Prelude um, so that you can get the backstory behind what it is that we're doing. I'm interviewing today along with my colleague Jonathan Seligman, our fearless leader. Her name is Lauren Sheldon and she is the visual and performing arts coordinator for Chula Vista Elementary School District. That's VAPA for short, so VAPA, Visual and Performing Arts, and you'll hear us use that acronym quite a bit in the podcast. Lauren was hired nine years ago by the San Diego Youth Symphony to start an after-school program in Chula Vista Elementary School District. What they did is they took several dozen kids and they gave them instruments for the first time and turned them into some pretty incredible strings players by the end of that first year. Those kids are now all grown up and off to college and have had some amazing successes along the way. And it's grown from more than just those couple dozen kids. Lauren now jumped from working for the Youth Symphony to the district and every single child, all 30,000 of them in Chula Vista Elementary School District now receive arts education as a part of their normal school day. So we went from zero VAPA teachers in the district to over 90 in just five years. It's been incredible to watch. I've been gifted this amazing opportunity to build a program from nothing. And I've been given some of my very best friends in the crew that she's put together. So I'm excited to have you hear her story, to hear the backstory behind behind the work that we're doing and to get a little bit of context for some of the things that we're going to be talking about in future episodes. Without further ado, here's Lauren and John and myself, and I hope that you enjoy our first episode of Chaotic Harmony. Come back next week so that you can meet the rest of us. Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. I'm Crystal Pridmore. I'm John Seligman. And we have a guest with us today. This is Lauren Sheldon. Hello, everyone. We're calling this episode Prelude, and we're going to release it first. So you'll learn a little bit more about Chaotic Harmony and what the grand plan is for this podcast in our first episode due to be released next week. But before we get going and introduce you to our entire ragtag bunch of music teachers, we wanted to bring Lauren in because Lauren is the reason that all of us know and love each other here in the district. And Lauren has a pretty incredible story to share with us. Oh, stop it. (laughs) You're making me blush here. (laughs) We wanted to hear the story behind our friendship in much more detail and behind what's going on in Chula Vista. We have a movement happening in the elementary schools by the border below San Diego, and it's really exciting where we went from almost zero visual and performing arts education happening at the elementary school level to... I think we can say now every child, every child, every in child our district. in our district receives arts education as part of the school day. Yeah. yeah. So Lauren, 
Let's hear your program notes. Can you introduce yourself, tell us what your job title is, and tell us a little bit sure. about you. I am Lauren Shelton. I am the Visual and Performing Arts Coordinator for Chula Vista Elementary School District. My dad is a musician and an artist, and my mom was an administrator for San Diego Unified for 36 years. So I had a teacher mom and an artist dad. And so very early on, my parents put me into music. Uh, right when I was able to reach the piano at four, I started taking piano lessons. Did not like piano <laughs> uh, very well. And so my parents put me into choir at church at St. Peter's in Del Mar at age six. Mm. And the most fabulous choir director named Polly Campbell was there. Two years later, Polly started the San Diego Children's Choir. Oh. And my mom was very hesitant to have me join a second choir <laughs> because I was also in soccer and in t-ball and like right. all the other things happening but I well begged my kid. <laughs> I was trying to be very I was an only child uh, so my parents okay. you know had me do everything I realized that choir is my my jam yeah it's kind of what kept me going and kept me ticking and so my parents put me into the San Diego Children's Choir and my life just took off I didn't realize how much music got me through any part of my life whether mm -hmm. it was like a happy time or a sad time or a frustrating time and Polly Campbell my fabulous choir director was there every step of the way and when I didn't believe in myself she made sure to let me know that she did I ended up going on five tours mm -hmm. uh, three were international before wow. I was 18 years old Ooh. with the choir and Polly had me be a soloist almost at every tour, every concert that we did. I think she saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And mm -hmm. so she always made sure that I knew that I could do this. Mm -hmm. She passed away while we were in college. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she was sick, we all flew back or drove back from wherever we all went to school and sang outside of her window. She was at mm -hmm. her home in Cardiff. We all just sang for hours and hours, all of our old choir mm -hmm. songs. And it just really makes me makes me work harder for our kids in Chula Vista so that they have those shared experiences because yeah. in a time of sadness and a time of grief, the best thing to do is to make music Definitely. with your community. Um, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but no, um, that's it. what Polly taught me. Polly taught me that music is really a unifier and a way to really just find who you are as a person. And to sort through some really hard stuff. And being a teenager mm -hmm. and being a kid, it's it's not easy. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. when you have these moments where you can turn to music, turn to your choir friends, just briefly, when I was in high school, nobody knew that I could sing. Nobody knew that I was a musician, that I had toured the world. And I remember I just would rather be silent at school because I didn't want to fit in with the crowd. I didn't know how to fit in with that crowd. Mm -hmm. But when I was in choir practice, I was me. I mm -hmm. was that loud mouth, rambunctious, outgoing, fun person. When I went off to college, I said, okay, I'm not going to be that shy, quiet person. I'm going to be me. And that's mm -hmm. what music was able to do for me. That's how interesting that you got to experiment with those two sides of your personality, too, that you got to kind of inhabit each and figure out which one felt more authentic. And I'll tell you, it's so much better to live your life as you mm -hmm. than the person that everybody thinks you should be. Amen, yeah. sister. And <laughs> I tell you, I just, I, I loved music for unlocking mm -hmm. that within me. Went to college to be a music major. Mm -hmm. Realized about two years in that, what am I going to do as a, <laughs> as a music major? My mom, the administrator, said, you know, what do you think you're going to do? I was like, well, I'm going to move to New York and become an opera star. And she's mm -hmm. like... Let's uh, let's figure this out, sweetheart. <laughs> so she had those tough conversations with me. Really tried to hone me in and signed me up to take the C best 
and mm-hmm. all of those teacher preparation tests yep, yep. my junior and senior year and I switched over to English and became a teacher okay so was it was it more your mom's influence or Pauline's? definitely yeah. my mom's influence okay um steered in that direction but then so I got a job to teach fourth grade mm-hmm. at a charter school and he looked at my resume and it, most of it was all music everything uh-huh. that I had done and, and taught was all music and he said well do you want to start a music program here I said well yeah of course <laughs> I said can I start a choir Mm-hmm. And so he said, of course, yes, start a choir. It was it was crazy. I had no idea how to conduct. I really mm-hmm. didn't know what I was doing. And so I said, I, I need to learn how to do this. <laughs> and so I went and asked for some mentors for some help. And then at the same time, the San Diego Children's Choir, which I had grown up in, mm-hmm. was watching me and saying, ooh, Lauren's doing something. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to come and work for them and do some after school. I think I led the intermediate choir. And was that incredible? And so after three, almost four years of teaching, I said, okay, this is where my heart lies. This mm-hmm. is where I want to get up every day and mm-hmm. go. I could be teaching my fourth grade class all day mm-hmm. and be excited at the end of the day to go and teach four more hours mm-hmm. because I was conducting and I was with kids teaching music. And so I decided to leave teaching altogether on a whim mm-hmm. and started at the San Diego Children's Choir and went back to grad school. Because in order to be a music director, you need a music degree, right? Right. And I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So I went to San Diego State and started studying ethnomusicology and how the culture of our world and music unite, which has helped me beyond measure hmm. for any of the work that we do here in Chula Vista. How long were you in the classroom as a teacher? I was in the classroom as a teacher for four years. For four years. Teaching fourth grade? Fourth grade. The whole time. The whole time. Okay. And how long did you work for San Diego Children's Choir? I think I was there for four years. It seemed okay. to be on a trend. Every four years, I switch gears. Okay. All right. You yeah. kind of hit a cycle and you're ready to hit restart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When did the genesis of what we've got going on in Chula Vista start? So funny story. Mm-hmm. San Diego Children's Choir was the only place I'd ever been fired from. Ooh. Oh, I know. Juicy tidbits. Oh. Um, Do it tell. Just, you know, it just, it just didn't work out with mm-hmm. the current executive or the direct, executive director at that time. But it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was devastating just because this was the organization that I grew up in. It was my home, and mm-hmm. to be pushed out of my home was very difficult. But I ended up getting a job with La Jolla Music Society as their summer fest engagement coordinator. Okay. And I met the most wonderful human that I ever worked with called, his name is Hannes Kling. He told me, he's like, hey, you know there's a job at the San Diego Youth Symphony? I think you'd be really great for it. It's the education program manager. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that that's my jam. I, c- I could do that. And I go and have my interview, and I had my second interview, and basically they just wanted me to start an after-school El Sistema-inspired program. Okay. And that's how this started. That's how this started. Okay, I've met a lot of music educators who don't know what El Sistema means, and I barely knew what it meant. Sure. So El Sistema is a program that comes out of Venezuela from Jose Antonio Abreu. And what really happened was that they had very elitist music programs there. Mm -hmm. They were just saying, you know, why isn't everybody having an opportunity to participate in music education? And so he decided to start his own little orchestra. And they met in the hallways of the music conservatory Mm -hmm. because they allowed them to have that space. Well, they started growing and it was too many people. So they ended up going to a parking garage Mm -hmm. next door and they only played for as long as they could handle the fumes. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, so it was a ragtag group 
kind of like us, Mm -hmm. starting out in this parking garage. And then now every child in every state, there's orchestras, state level youth orchestras. Every city, every town, every state of Venezuela has this. Just bled out. Just bled out completely. And what his whole thing was, is like, if if you have a violin in your hand, Mm -hmm. you can't hold a gun anymore. Wow. Mm. And so using music as social change and really building citizenry. Mm -hmm. And... You know, when we were building this program in Chula Vista, we knew we couldn't take a cookie cutter approach. You can't mm-hmm. really do that in any yeah. program. You have to look at the community that you're in mm-hmm. and what can you do to to enhance the program by using those philosophies. Mm-hmm. And so when we came into the program, we said, okay, this is LSSM inspired in that we want to have great citizens first and the music will follow. So the music is the tool to build harmony with its students, building ensemble, getting kids to trust each other, getting kids outside of things that they can be doing, building behavior management through mm-hmm. the music and just kind of giving kids a space to see beyond themselves. Okay. So how how many years ago was this that you started it? October of 2010. Okay. So nine years ago. coming up on nine years. Nine yeah. years. Okay. And tell me what Opus looked like the year you launched. My first day on the job was me going to Otay Elementary and Lauterbach Elementary for their in-school um, assembly. They were mm-hmm. just kind of getting kids excited. And it was just for third graders. And um, we started with only 75 kids total. So it was about okay. 30, between 30 and 35 at each site. Mm-hmm. And it was just meant for us to like kind of reignite the passion for music in the district and start to educate. And they had none they had at nothing, the time. Mm-hmm. Nothing at the time. There hadn't been a VAPA coordinator in that role for 35 years. Okay. And so they were really starting from zero at this point. Um, the charter schools had a full-time music teacher, but that was because the charter school funding is different. Sure. Can we rewind for a sec? Sure. Okay, so I've never heard exactly how the conversation between CVESD, Chula Vista Elementary School District, and the San Diego Youth Symphony even got started. So how did that get Sure. Going? So the very interesting part about us really starting this relationship with mm-hmm. the Youth Symphony and the district was the the youth symphony had a retreat with their board and they said okay what do we want to focus on what is our main mission and Mm -hmm. they ended up coming at the end with we want to make music education accessible and affordable for all students in san diego county okay and so they looked at the demographics of the students in the program they don't look like the demographics of san diego county exactly (laughs) ding 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 Uh ding 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 right (laughs) so what they did is that they looked out the south bay and there was Mm -hmm. maybe two percent of their student population in the youth symphony was coming from the south bay okay so they go down to sweetwater and say hey we'd love to recruit more of your students to come up to to the san diego youth symphony and they're like well you know i don't know if our kids can actually audition into it Mm -hmm. because what happens is they're competing with high schoolers that have started music lessons Mm. in third grade the students in sweetwater get their instruments for the first time in seventh eighth ninth or even tenth grade right so they're not able to compete at the level Mm -hmm. of the students that are in the youth symphony already Mm -hmm. so they would have to start on a beginning ensemble with the eight nine and ten year olds right Tell that to a middle schooler. Yeah. Try to convince them to join a program, right? Totally. So then um, DeLuke Smith and the board went to the elementary school district to Dr. Escobedo and said, hey, can we help your music programs? And they said, what music programs? Uh Because there weren't any. And so Mm -hmm. then it became a conversation about, well, this is what we're trying to do at the Youth Symphony. Mm -hmm. How can we help you Mm -hmm. understand the importance of music education? Mm Mm-hmm then birth the opus project okay all right 
So there we go. So we're in Otai. We got seventy five kids. They're third graders. Yep. Okay. How did how was how were the children selected for the program? So we just did a first come first serve. Okay. We handed out after the um, assembly. We handed out all the papers to the kids, mm-hmm. and we asked the secretaries when they brought them in just to number them, so we know we're just taking them as they come in. Mm-hmm. And um, we took the first thirty five at mm-hmm. each school site, and added a couple more here and there sure. as as needed. But um, and then we had a waiting list of students. Mm-hmm. But really, those kids that signed up stuck with it the entire year. Mm-hmm. I don't think we had more than two students quit before mm-hmm. the end of the year. And I think it was because of soccer practice or something like sure. family or right. moving. Yeah. But once we got those kids, it was solid. They were they were in it. What were they given? They were given an instrument. Mm-hmm. And they were given weekly... Uh, well, twice a week, they met for lessons for two hours on mm-hmm. a Monday and a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought it was also really important that we fed them. So mm-hmm. they got snack before rehearsal began. And then um, we also started building a really great relationship with the parents. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a component that a lot of teachers don't feel comfortable doing is bringing parents in because you don't want them to see the process. You want right. them, oh, we got to wait till the product. Mm-hmm. But for us, this was different. We had to change the minds Mm -hmm. and the hearts of families. Mm -hmm. And so we made it mandatory for the parents to come in the last five to 10 minutes before the end of class. And they had to sit in their child's seat and their child had to teach them something that they learned that day. So we had Mm -hmm. parents holding the instrument Mm -hmm. and, you know, pizzicato. They just could say the first class, okay, mom, this is a G. Play the G. And that was it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the parents then got to see what it took for their child to learn this instrument and how valuable it was. Hmm. Because parents, if you just drop off and pick up, Mm -hmm. you don't get to see the work that goes into it. Definitely, yeah. And that was a component for me that I said, this is a Mm -hmm. Mm non-negotiable. Parents have to be part of this process. Mm -hmm. Because what ended up happening was they became our biggest advocate. Mm -hmm. And um, the turning point in the district that broke through a little bit of a barrier was... We were asked in May of the first year to present at a board meeting. Or mm-hmm. no, March. It was even March. So what do we do? We have all the kids come and we play on the lawn. Mm-hmm. And we asked one of the parents to speak about the experience and have her son perform. Well, she was going to speak in Spanish because that's her first language. But she surprised everybody by writing out her speech in English and working with a translator. Oh, wow. Wow. And so she spoke in English and had every single parent in the room crying. The board members were crying. They were so impressed. And then here comes Diego Garcia with his viola and he walks out, I'm going to play you a song <laughs> with all the confidence in the world. And it's just playing music. Mm-hmm. And the board then said to us, we need more of this. Mm. Yeah. Because they see that it's transforming these parents' lives. And what's one of the the LCAP and the Title I objectives, we need to get that parent engagement. Well, here's a way to make it happen. Yeah. So the district then invested $40,000 for us to spread the program out to six more sites wow. the second year. Okay. Which was rough. Yeah. It was I'll rough. Bet. That's it. That's that's double the size of the first year. We went year. from 75 students to 250. Okay. Mm, big change. Yeah. yeah. Massive change. So, But when a... When a an opportunity like that happens yeah you can't say no because you never know when they're going to have that courage to take that leap and Mm -hmm. invest in the arts again 
So I had never heard of Chula Vista Elementary School District um, when I first stumbled across um, you and what was happening down here. And I heard about the Opus Project, and I went to the San Diego Youth Symphony's website, and I looked up um, those beautiful infographics that you guys oh, had yeah. kept year after year. And I thought it was so smart um, how you presented all the research. So what did you track? We tracked attendance. Mm-hmm. We tracked the testing um, with the students who were in the program versus their peers in the same grade. Mm-hmm. We actually have a partnership with UCSD where a group of our students were getting MRI brain scans and were part of a study called Symphony where them uh, we had music students, uh, students that were taking martial arts, mm-hmm. and then a control group of students that weren't doing either. And we were they were getting brain scans once a year. Mm-hmm doing activities that were stimulating their musical side of their brain mm-hmm. and were measuring the growth in, of their um, English language development. Yeah. And the findings are now starting to come out and it's really exciting. So we always were ahead of the curve and trying to figure out what does the district want to hear uh-huh. and how can we bring them the data that reflects that. Mm-hmm. And being a district that serves a very large portion of students that have English as a second language, mm-hmm. We knew that music could support that, could support their learning and really give them the skills that they needed to to learn English. Yeah, we have a huge number of English language learners because we're on the border. Mm-hmm. I know our school, I think that I think the actual number is somewhere in the 30% um, at our school, but okay. it's more like uh, almost 80% uh, Spanish is their first language and yes. they've just progressed past the English learner status. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a huge need um, down where we live that that they get that English language development. Um, so how, and and I know there there is more information out in the world about the Opus Project and all of the exciting things um, that came out of that. So how did you make the transition from heading up the Opus Project to being the VAPA coordinator for the district? So after we did our second year of the expansion with the 250 students, mm-hmm. Dr. John Nelson, who was the assistant soup of curriculum and instruction at the time, came to us and he said, okay, all right we love this we love this a lot (laughs) i can't deny it anymore we can't deny this um how do we get this in the school day now Mm -hmm. and so what we've learned with the district is that we had to pilot things we Mm -hmm. couldn't just go in and just say okay let's just do it um we really had to be methodical and strategic on how we approach this because it it had not been there in a very, very long okay. time, and here and it had to be successful. It had to. It, 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 it was like flop. a. It was like a one shot deal, and yeah. we had to make sure that we were ready. Mm-hmm. And so, what we did is we did third grade, ten week pilot programs at the six school sites where we had the after school Opus program. Mm-hmm. And so, we brought in our teaching artists who weren't credentialed yet, like Emmanuel Soto, right. Maya Diaz, like the whole crew. Mm-hmm. We brought them in um, to lead those classes. And what the principals were realizing was, oh, wow, we've got to really manage with the library schedule and with recess. And right. yep. so they yeah, started to realize to that there's a lot of components to having an arts program on your campus. But that was our goal. Our goal was to really have them see, okay, A, this is great for your kids, but mm-hmm. B, there is going to be some planning mm-hmm. with it and it's not going to be easy. So don't go into it lightly. But then the next year, the district started hiring their own teachers. The principals that had it at their school sites were like, wait a second. We can pay our LCAP Title I money and have a music teacher on our campus? Mm-hmm. Why, yes, you can, and we'll be <laughs> here to help you. So basically, I was acting as the VAPA coordinator 
for the district without the title without the title mm-hmm. at the youth symphony okay and because of my teaching background i spoke the district's language i go. knew how to communicate i knew the verbiage that they needed i knew what they were looking for because i had been around that my entire life basically mm-hmm. and um you knew the acronyms i knew the acronyms <laughs> i i knew how to speak i knew how to speak their language uh-huh and so we were at an encore event um, which is a san diego youth symphonies gala that raises money for all of the scholarships for mm-hmm. students to attend and i was running it i had opus kids everywhere and i remember dr escobedo came up to me and he said are you ready i said ready for what and he goes are you ready to join our team <laughs> nice. i was like oh well what, what what's going on he goes something big's coming down the pike and we need you okay and so dr escobedo is the he's district our, superintendent mm-hmm. yes Just- just in case we haven't said that before. Yes. Um, so I said, okay. I went home and talked to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And I said, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what it's going to take, but what should I do? And he said, well, you're going to do it. You have to do it. <laughs> He's like, this is amazing. It is amazing. And so I started out as a teacher on special assignment. I think my first few months, I was actually a substitute teacher in that position, just mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there hadn't been anybody like this sure. for a very long time. They didn't know what to do with me they were still trying to write a job description and so i did this job as a teacher on special assignment for almost two years oh wow Hmm. i don't think i realized that yeah Mm -hmm. yes so um they put me on a time card so i could work 224 days Mm -hmm. because a teacher contract is only 180 days in order for me to make this work i worked through summers i worked through all of the breaks wow. um because oh. it was a well, lot of work to make task. it happen yeah. yeah it was huge um but what really happened was you know they told me they said okay we've got this new formula it's called the local control um funding formula and it's not categorized anymore but we really want to bring the arts back so we've invested five million dollars in the lcap a year for the next three years and we need teachers mm-hmm. oh <laughs> all many, the arts right? how many teachers you need <laughs> all the arts yeah and they're like oh we, we need to make sure we have at least 60 oh my goodness three how months long? oh three months three months to find 60 wow. people to find 60 and i ended up getting it to 68 okay and from there it just kind of blew up okay. in a great way so where did you find people that first year oh man i called all of my yeah. <laughs> all of my people uh-huh. um i'm very well connected in this in this arts world because i'd been in it for so long mm-hmm. i called everybody i knew i even called my friends at eastman school of music i called people in michigan i called people everywhere Mm-hmm. Florida, North Carolina. I was just like, do you have people? Do you have teachers? If Because if programs were raising these really great music teachers, but they didn't have a job, right. mm-hmm. then I said, come to me, come to me. You're like, sunny San Diego. And you, you were come literally the only one in the country. The only that. one in the country, really, that was hiring. Yeah. And I had people come from all over. Mm-hmm. And we're really fortunate that we have two great universities here, like Point Loma Nazarene and San Diego State, mm-hmm. that have music ed mm-hmm. teacher prep programs. Mm-hmm. But they weren't producing a lot of them, but I got as many as I could. Well, everybody dropped out in 2008. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reasons. <laughs> because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> because money's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Yeah. And and that's the thing is I people were so scared. And some of the teachers still are like, when is this? When is the other shoe going to drop? When is the other yeah. shoe going to drop? When are we mm-hmm. going to be gone? It's like, we have to be here. Uh-huh. We're literally saving kids' lives. We right. are giving them a trajectory that 
they never would have thought possible. Mm -hmm. So I had to go out and I had to find teachers that were ready to like get to work. Because yeah. as you both know, this work is not easy. It is not nope. easy. We're At in the all. middle of a massive culture shift. And I feel like it's it's so multifaceted. It's not only going in and providing high quality arts education to every single child in, in the school that you happen to teach. Um, but also... Uh, like getting parent advocates mm. and convincing the yes. teachers that it's a good idea and just putting everything that we do on display to prove its worth. And it's, it's exhausting. It is. And every community is very different how they're going to receive different. it. It's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing it. is the moment that they see their child on stage, mm -hmm. they could be singing a silly little song or mm -hmm. they could be playing <laughs> hot cross buns on a recorder. Mm hmm their family's perception of that child has changed. Mm -hmm. If you think about the parents that always get the bad calls from their kids for behavior right. and they see their kid up on stage playing cello, mm -hmm. they're like, oh my God, my kid can do something. Mm -hmm. that, that changes the family dynamic mm -hmm. because then the conversation changes at home with the parent and the kid. Mm -hmm. Because usually you're like, what did you do today? Instead of like, how was music? Mm -hmm. What did you do differently today in music? And then there's a different conversation at home. And then the kid starts feeling that pride mm -hmm. and it bleeds into everything else. Mm -hmm. And that's the shift that's, that's starting to happen more. Yeah, it is. And it, and in true in, in the visual arts as well. And in the amazing drama programs that are coming up and the dance programs that we're working alongside. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, um, since this is a, a music-centered podcast, you were the reason that all of us became ORF instructors now. Um, tell me about how you even knew about ORF work and knew to bring it in and so, how that went down. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm ORF certified level one. Okay. Um, it's the only way I feel that you can really have the skills to teach general music properly. Mm -hmm. And it really helped me become a better choral director just because I had younger students and I was able to give the foundations I had to pay a lot of money to go to my ORF certification and I didn't have a lot of money at the time to be paying for it I think my parents helped me out too it was ridiculous I think it was like $2,500 mm. and so I said okay I, I have this kind of weird power in our district where if I say this is how it is mm -hmm. because nobody else can tell me uh -huh. yes or no because they don't understand our world then that's how it is. Mm -hmm. I said, no, we're not going to have any teachers going to more than one site a day. Mm -hmm. And if they go and share between two sites, that's it. No mm -hmm. more than two. We're not having any teacher burnout, right? Mm -hmm. So then I said. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like if you start out strong, then you can't get all these weird wickets that get thrown in there that change. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, so then I said, well, I think every one of our teachers should be ORF certified. And then mm -hmm. I looked at how much it would cost to send you guys somewhere. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like $150,000 to pay for all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't have any money. Uh huh. So then I said, well, I know Margie Oram. I've taught with her for years and I've directed with her for years. I'm going to reach out to her and I'm going to see what it would take for us to host levels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like to be innovative. I like to think through things differently. I, if something hasn't been done, I don't say, oh, shucks. I say, oh, well, let's try it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I asked, I said, what would it cost for us to host ORF level training at our district office? And then she said, well, you know, the rent and all that. I said, no, no, no. Like, I'll cover all of that. Mm -hmm. I'll cover everything that has to do with facilities. Mm -hmm. How much would it cost? And we got it to the point where I only had to pay, I think, $500 per teacher. Wow. Mm. 
which is a huge discount, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I said, okay, fine. Everybody's getting ORF trained. And I made it at our district office so I could pull in executive directors every now and then. Mm-hmm. So I can bring in the district superintendent mm-hmm. to say, look at what our music teachers are doing this summer. There were a lot of people popping in that first mm-hmm. year oh, to see yeah. what we were doing. Because it was not only was it like weird sounds were coming out <laughs> of, the of the room. Of the district. Yeah. But we had to change the idea that music is not just something that you do. Music is something that these kids are creating. They're learning more about themselves. They're really becoming these little humans. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've lost a little bit of humanity in our world. And so how can we create better human beings? And I think that's a huge thing that Dr. Escobedo likes to push is that we don't want to create these human doers. We want to create human beings. And that's Mm -hmm. what ORF does. Right. And um, Well, and you've said before, that's why the arts are the humanities yes you Mm -hmm. have to be human and Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot to be said for the arts stem is great Mm -hmm. but you can't be creative in stem without the arts Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) (laughs) but and i can go on my soapbox for hours because you know give me a microphone and i'll and i'll say anything (laughs) Um, but yeah orf is orf is extremely important not only is is it a unifier for everybody it provides you with more resources than you ever thought you could ever have for general Mm -hmm. music and it just gives you great pedagogy. It does. It's it does. just a great way to it teach is general music. It is rock solid. And it, it's, it naturally br- brings all the children through the, the, the steps needed to cover every national core art standard. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And it's, it's wonderfully engaging. It's just so much fun. And I, I feel like I went from trying to take these standards and figure out how I could cover all of them to just being able to relax a little bit and bring a, a lot of joy into my classroom, just knowing that all of it is going to be covered um, and the kids are having a blast doing it. And when you think about a lot of our music teachers, they all are um, instrument based, right? Mm-hmm, Everybody right. is a string player or a band player. Right. And I remember, I'm going to throw Mr. Soto under the bus because he's like my little brother, <laughs> but he used to lecture kindergartners. Mm-hmm. They were like, dude, why aren't you playing and having fun with the kids? He's like, well, this is what you do as a music teacher. You teach like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're coming to ORF this summer. <laughs> he is just having more fun with the kids. And you know, it's just, it's having to get to their level. Yeah. A kindergartner yeah. is not going to get anything out of a lecture. Yeah. They're going to get so much more through movement and play and interacting with each other. And that's what ORF does. It yeah. gives them that platform. And it gives our teachers that might be very uncomfortable with teaching general music a great way to start yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes i look out at my 400 little ones who sometimes like to come to music class in their socks because if they if they're not wearing tie shoes i let them slip them off um and they're just they're they're so happy they're so happy in music class and they're so themselves because they get to be a kid and they get to be creative so it's beautiful and we talk constantly as a group about how it has been the most incredible bonding experience for all of us at the district i think we had i don't remember do you remember what the numbers were in 2017 for orf level one in the first year i believe there was 28 of you that okay. did it. i thought it was somewhere around 30 and we we added up um how how many students we were impacting and it was well over twenty thousand. yes yeah twenty thousand mm-hmm. students in san diego county um got you know better music teachers that year which is just incredible so and another thing that you managed to do through bringing orf into the district was you revived the san diego orf short (laughs) chapter well you know (laughs) it's all about those you know butterfly effects and everything just happening yeah 
but it's amazing it is amazing but san diego had not had music teachers uh, in so long they were just completely eliminated in the 80s um except for a few people who managed to hang on or teach privately or teach at like eight different school sites um, and travel around and that's not an exaggeration i know people who are teaching six to eight school sites they literally have their instruments in the trunk of their car and Mm -hmm. have to put them on a cart and take them to yeah. every single school they visit each day. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember being on a cart and just daydreaming of having a music room one day. Now you got a wing, sister. I got two rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I got orchestra room and an orphan room. It's great. Um, but, you know, we, we went from, from uh, a chapter that was just struggling to survive and a lot of the, the people who had held on were retiring to it is flooded now. I think we are averaging, you know, well over 60 people on oh, any given ORF chapter. People are traveling all over the country to get different training. And it's it's not just the kids' lives who are changing. It's 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 mine for sure. So it's, it's just been amazing. So. I'm, I'm, it makes me really happy to hear that because this work is very um, isolating mm-hmm. and it can be very difficult at times when um, I'm just literally putting out fires all over the place. Mm-hmm. But then when I hear stories like that, then it makes me remember, okay, this is why we do what we do. This Definitely. is why I do what I do. This is why I work on weekends. This is why yeah. I do everything. Like it, It's not easy work and people really don't know what I do, mm-hmm. which makes it difficult because Definitely. the ORF stuff, I mean, right now I'm still dealing with countless emails and setting things up and it's it's a lot of work to get it to where it is Mm -hmm. now but it's so important 100 percent. yeah how many kids do we have in our district uh we're about uh 29,600 okay and how many schools 46 and how many vapid teachers we up to these days we're at 90 nice Mm. yeah all right yeah and i'd say that's pretty cool i'd say that's pretty cool too (laughs) (laughs) from zero to 90 Mm -hmm. and Five, five years. years. Five years. Five years. And every child receives the arts in Chula Vista. I, I think it's amazing. You've talked so much about um, the challenges that you've overcome. Do you have one thing that keeps you going on hard days? I know you say the stories are helpful. Sometimes you come into music teacher meetings and you say, guys, we're singing today. Yes. Because <laughs> we need to bond through song. I, I think so. Um, it's really hard. I've had to kind of rediscover and refresh my cup filling I guess Mm -hmm. Um, when the days are really rough I just have to take a step out of it and Mm -hmm. remember that it's not about me and Mm -hmm. the person I might be having to deal with that I'm having a hard time dealing with it's not about them either Mm -hmm. and I just have to always go back to the kids yeah why am I doing this I'm doing this for kids I'm doing this for the young Laurens the young Crystals the young Jonathans Mm -hmm. that this might be the only thing that gets them through the school week Mm -hmm. the school year um, and I just have to step step back and remember, you got kids that need this, mm-hmm. and whatever egos are in the room have to be gone, mm-hmm. and we just need to focus on getting to the task at hand. And yeah. it's just the kids. I just keep referring back to the kids. It's all about the kids. Well, and I have to tell you today that um, I had two little girls come up to me after recess, and they said, "Mrs. Pridmore, we want to be music teachers when we grow up." Oh, that's that's one of them. And one of them said, "I'm going to come back to Finney, and I'm going to be the music teacher when you're all done." That's awesome. So that that just gives me like so (laughs) many goosebumps because we—that's what we want to have them do. Yes, we want them to see beyond what 
people think they can do. That's right. right? Yeah. And I can tell you that uh, would not have been on that little girl's radar two years ago. No. Yeah. When you when you go to the innovation stations, we have every sixth grader does um, a Thrively and they do a survey to see what kind of careers that they want. Mm-hmm. For the last three years, we have kids now saying they want to be a professional violinist. Yeah. Awesome. We have kids yes. that say, oh, I want to be a musical <laughs> theater on Broadway. Like we have kids now that have these VAPA careers in mm-hmm. their minds. I want to be a sound engineer. I want to build sets. These are what kids are thinking about now. Mm-hmm. And they're in sixth grade. So imagine now how they can be so much more targeted mm-hmm. and have a sense of belonging mm-hmm. when they get to middle and high school that their lives are so different from what they thought they could be. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. Um, I guess it's a little backtrack, I guess. But I think just that's, I feel like the power of ORF really, mm-hmm. a big part of it is like we can teach them. I remember, I'm going to quote Drew Bullington again, but like mm-hmm. he talks about ORF versus the conservatory approach. And I, all I knew growing up was the conservatory yeah. approach, just the system, uh, systemic, systematic, either or mm-hmm. um, approach of learning music is more of like a skill base. But really with ORF, it's expressing, it's yeah. learning how to get together and just understand how to be human through these kinds of arts Mm -hmm. and yeah I lost my train of thought after that no that's okay (laughs) I have a sign hanging up in my hallway that says you matter Mm. our music and our art is not the same without you bringing your very best so that we can be the best we and I, I think that that's that that it's so needed that mentality and it's really easy to take the academic subjects and think I'm all alone. I'm here in my desk. I have yeah. my pencil. My head is down. I have my privacy board. And and I know that we're, we're trying to get more collaborative with all of the subjects. Um, and I think that's really cool. But I love that music and art are just naturally collaborative. Yeah. Oh, you know, 100%. We, we sit in a circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and There's people, no furniture in the people room. People in our district office are like, let's, how do we structure collaborative conversations how do we get kids to talk to each other i was like well go to the music class Mm -hmm. go to the art class go to theater go to dance Mm -hmm. and you can see it in action it's inherent in the work that we do Mm -hmm. um and the touch the safe touch for dancing you know yeah and we talk about again humanities right right um and a sense of belonging once students feel that, and we talk about fight or flight response with kids with the trauma in their background, they have mm-hmm. heightened levels of cortisol in their body, which means their brain literally shuts down trying to go into survival mode. Mm. And they could be sitting quietly in the classroom and they could be triggered and they won't be able to learn. Mm-hmm. But when they go to the arts classes, their cortisol levels go down because they're not as stressed. They're mm-hmm. doing something that's giving them some sort of relief in mm-hmm. their pain. Mm-hmm. And then that ends up giving them an end to learning. So when you talk about arts integration as a method of instruction, you talk about sequential standards-based arts education, that's what's going to save our kids. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to give kids a real sense of belonging mm-hmm. and a sense of really feeling safe at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, meant, we're meant to be artistic, creative beings. Yes. yes. Yeah. We start out singing and dancing. We do. It's true. Naturally. There was a little boy singing upstairs that will probably be in the background of the first part of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, just one little thing. Yeah. I've always viewed like one of the best ways to counter like anxiety or depression is because we live in such a consumeristic society to create and the ability for us not to just replicate music, but to create music, Mm -hmm. to create expression, I think is 
hopefully no it will be beneficial for the next generation 100 yeah. percent, absolutely and i i firmly believe that we are raising our replacements definitely you know as evidenced by that little conversation yes. today mm. yeah our, our city is going to look a lot different in about 15 years it is. and i'm really excited and it's because yeah. of you guys you're the ones that are on the ground every day making sure it happens for the kids and it's because of your vision that we're here and i'm very thankful I'm thankful so. for you guys. Thanks, man. Group hug. Thank <laughs> oh, yeah. all around. <laughs> Lauren, this has been such a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I'm really inspired by all the work that you guys do. And I'm just so grateful that I have such a wonderful group of teachers that I get mm-hmm. to learn and work with every day. It's all good. It's all good stuff. So let's go change the world, friends. But we should do a hard left turn, shouldn't we? Do you think so? I think it's we such should. A, okay. I, I'm right. ready for whatever shenanigans okay. y'all are ready to so impart we, on me. <laughs> we have decided that we're ending our conversations with the music teachers with a section that we call spiccato. And we're still working it out. We're deciding if we're going to ask a series of random questions, which has been really fun to answer, or bringing in random objects and telling how one might use it in an elementary music classroom. I am now revealing this week's object to Lauren and Jonathan. It is a party kaleidoscope. Party kaleidoscope. Let's see. You may observe Ooh. how would you use this in an elementary classroom or how does it remind you and could you use it as an object lesson for your work though that's also acceptable could you expound on object lesson for your work yeah like it could be like a symbol oh <laughs> okay like okay. you cool, can cool. use it as a symbol to describe something in your life like, yeah <laughs> sorry this is like southern california i slip in a valley girl yeah i have no excuse for that okay. i do it sometimes though <laughs> i have no excuse well because it's fun and accents oh, are yeah. fun. okay, okay. I any ideas i think for me more for the symbol symbol um <laughs> It's just you take, you see what's in front of you, and yet through this filter, you see the whole, a bunch of different facets of how things can be. Oh, love it. Yeah. Great. Use that in your next board speech. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, Mm -hmm. I think this would remind me of always looking ahead to the future. Mm. And when you see through it, you really don't know what it looks like, right? Mm. And you don't have to. That's the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know what's in the future. You just always have to keep looking ahead. And it could look different at any turn, mm-hmm. but it's always the same. It's your future. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so you guys got really philosophical. Here's how I used it in my music classroom. Oh, please do so it. I gave, I divided my students into groups of six, and I gave each group a kaleidoscope, and they had to look through, and then they had to come up with dance moves that Aww, reflected huh. what they saw okay. so everything they did had to be circular and they all had to be doing the same motion from different that angles. is awesome what? it was pretty legit please tell me you recorded this i i didn't um because <sighs> i didn't it was a it was a rapid fire kind of day Fair because it was, testing. Kind of day. Yeah. it was a spiccato <laughs> kind of day um and, and then i also have to say too that it, it was not actually my original idea it's a josh block from orf level of course orf level josh one awesome. um but it was delightful i found that little gem hiding in our book and i don't think we oh. ever did it in class no, we didn't, so but it was it was amazing so that's cool and i've had kaleidoscopes hiding in my cabinets forever because i knew yeah, there this had is pretty to be an great. application mm. yeah i like to just browse the halls of the dollar tree and say what are we going to do in music class this week round of the week Okay, so I'm going to sing Viva La Musica since we've talked so much about Orf today, and I feel that it's a lovely, appropriate way to end. 
Viva, viva la musica! Viva, viva la musica! Viva la musica! Viva, viva la musica! Viva, viva la musica! Viva la musica! Viva, 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 viva la musica! Viva la musica! One. We only messed up once. <laughs> I know it always feels a little incomplete. Yeah, it's all good. That's I, I, okay. It's the sustaining of music, the love of music. All right, we have we have a coda section, so we you can talk about two things. First of all, are you working on anything new and exciting coming down the pike? And secondly, where can people follow you? Oh my gosh, what a great little ending! <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have just started up a podcast called Chatting Up the Arts with Lauren Shelton. And you can follow me on Twitter at Vapa underscore CVESD or at Chatting Up Arts. Ooh, we have a Twitter. I like it. It started. It, that's <laughs> awesome. Jonathan? Um, my school is having their spring music concert next Tuesday. We're being very ambitious. This is the first time we've had an advanced choir, plus also a tribute piece to our former coworker, which is going to be like, we're using orbs. We have an alumni yes, string quartet please. playing alongside. It's going to be, it's going to, yeah. It's, it's going to be an, epic. It's going to be epic. It's ambitious. It's going to be I, epic. After today's rehearsal, it's looking dope. So, nice. But yeah. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at <laughs> Mr. Seligman. M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. All right. Yes. And I uh, just started up a little ukulele club for the end of the year because we only have a couple of weeks left and I had kids begging to. So I have a couple of kids who got ukuleles for Christmas and birthdays who are just coming in. They're bringing pop songs. Some of them are bringing in lead sheets from church. And we're having awesome. a lot of fun jamming. It's That's really awesome. cute. And it is um, kindergarten through sixth graders. Ooh, so I've got a little cross section of the entire school and they are so sweet together. How many? So, uh, it's like it's like 10. Okay. It's hey, not that that's many. a great yeah. start. It is a great start, but the big kids are helping the little kids. And that's it's the cool. cutest thing I've ever seen. Hashtag building community. Uh-huh. Exactly. Hashtag relationships. I, I'm all Hashtag about it, man. It. Hashtag <laughs> worth it. Hashtag blessed. Um, so <laughs> you can follow me at www.crystalpridmore.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Finny Vapa. It's Finny Vapa. <laughs> F-I-N-N-E-Y-V-A-P-A. There we go. All right. Thanks, friends. Have a great week. Keep it chaotic and harmonious. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore, Jonathan Seligman, Zoe Kumagai, and Mark Kamer. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on Facebook.com slash Chaotic Harmony Classroom. You can find us on Twitter at CH Classroom, Instagram at Chaotic Harmony Classroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. 
www.pridmoria.com. 